Hello and welcome to this episode of the Resonate podcast as we continue our series theme focusing on refugees and people seeking asylum in the UK. Today we welcome Anna Asadiani from Refugee Action who shares insights from her own lived experiences as a refugee and a person seeking asylum and about the Lift the Ban campaign which calls for people seeking asylum in the UK to have the right to work. We recorded this a few weeks ago and since then the bill that Anna will talk about has moved from the House of Lords and is back in the House of Commons from today. So when you listen there may have been some more developments. I think Anna really expertly outlines the context of their campaign as well as what the bill may mean for refugees and people seeking asylum in the UK and gives really excellent information which supports whatever news might be coming out of Parliament today and in the next few days. So I hope that this will inform you if you are reading or watching the news at the moment. Hello Emily and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, and uh, so my name is Anna Asatiani. I'm originally from Georgia. I'm a refugee myself and uh, I work for a refugee action. I am expert by experience coordinator uh, or EB coordinator. So the EB is the term that we use for people with lived experience of the UK asylum system. So that's that's me. So it'd be really helpful just first of all to hear about what does refugee action do? What is your role look like within the organization? I joined Refugee Action like approximately one year ago. So in, in terms of what Refugee Action is doing, uh, Refugee Action covers different areas of work. For example, uh, Refugee Action works supporting the um, people through campaigning, through help and advice, and through um, refugee resettlement, for example, also uh, having services, so increase, uh, increasing justice for, for clients, for people seeking asylum, and also by working with uh, other organizations with good practice and partnership. But I want to talk more about campaigning because that's where I belong to, because uh, I work directly with people with lived experience. And uh, we do campaigning, campaigns that we support are identified by people, uh, people with lived experience. Uh, some of them are still in asylum system, but some of them uh, are, have already been uh, granted refugee status. Uh, but the main purpose of the work that I do with them is that uh, to amplify the voices of people with lived experience and make a fairer asylum system in the UK. So that is the purpose. This is very interesting work. This is very challenging work because it's it's frontline work because I, I directly work with people with lived experience, but at the same time, it's very uh, interesting, as I mentioned, and very rewarding. My understanding is that it's a particularly challenging climate for refugees and asylum seekers right now. There's lots going on in the media. How, how does your campaigning fit within that that climate? I can say that there is a list of challenges that people seeking asylum and refugees are facing at the moment. And Refugee Action has been campaigning for different issues so far. But from last year, the main focus is on um, borders and immigration bill. But we call it anti-refugee bill because it's it's the single biggest ever assault on the UK refugee protection uh, system, which will introduce like a first class and second class refugees. And people will be punished depending on the way how they arrive in the UK. So their cases will be admissible if they arrive, for example, through 
kind of official routes, for example, resettlement, but if they arrive in the UK uh, in different way, so then their cases uh, might be considered as in inadmissible. So that means that they will be deported. And if they are not deported and it is not possible and they secure the status, they will have to go through regular assessment uh, all the time. They will have restricted family reunion rights and also no access to public benefits. That is really unfair. So that is what one area of work that we were campaigning against. Um, and also we are uh, supporting an amendment to the Nationality and Borders Bill or Anti-Refugee Bill, as I mentioned that we call it, which has passed in House of Commons, but at the moment is in House of Lords. So we want a right to work for people to be, this amendment to be made. And this is written in law so that uh, that can't be uh, so easily repealed. So those uh, those areas that we are focused on uh, right now, but the challenges itself uh, that people are facing are, there's a longer list of, and, and when I'm talking about these challenges, what people are facing, they are really related. So, uh, for example, first of all, people who are in the system, they are going through a very long waiting times. So I work directly, as I mentioned, with people with lived experience, and, and I have lived experience myself. We have people in the network who are waiting for their response on their asylum claims for one year, two years, three, four, five, ten plus years. I was personally waiting for my asylum decision for five years with my family and two young children, which was very difficult. Another thing that I want to mention in terms of the kind of the picture and the climate that we have and challenges that we have around people seeking asylum is the poverty, because people get less than six pounds per day from the government. And as I mentioned, people might be stuck in this process for many years. So can you imagine being living on less than six pounds per day with family? or without family, it doesn't matter. It is very difficult and it is below poverty. And why is this happening? This is that people have, uh, during this time, I'm going to write to work and uh, people can't work. And uh, they might spend many years without no access to employment. And uh, here comes another issue. That's why I said it's very related. You are stuck in the asylum system for many years. You are living in poverty. You can't work. And it's automatically, we are logically going to mental health issues because it's very difficult not to be isolated and lonely and depressed when you are living in these circumstances. So majority of people I'm working with have mental health issues. And the reasons of that are, is very, very understandable. So um, that is the picture, not to mention uh, also the racism and discrimination of people, uh, the problem with integration and also confusion and frustration of people because there is no communication between people and the home office right now. People don't know what is expected about their asylum case. Just give you one example. People are supposed to go to reporting centers to sign but they never know that if they come back from there, they might be deported. So there's lots of uncertainty and lack of communication right now. And the situation is really, really difficult. 
the way that I most recently had come across very few action was reading an article about your lift the ban campaign. And in terms of your campaign, what are the kind of other parts of it as well in terms of is there a societal benefit to asylum seekers working? Presumably there's a financial benefit um, for everyone. Thank you for that question. So uh, we can talk from the people's perspective and from the government and country perspective, right? And societal perspective. So if we talk about, let, let me start from people. What, what are the benefits of this campaign? So uh, if we start from people, number one, if we leave the ban, what will happen? We will lift uh, people out of poverty that I mentioned because people simply live on less than six pounds per day. And as I mentioned, I've been through this and this is very difficult. This is a lifetime like trauma that you might, it's not easy to, to uh, forget. Another thing why we should lift the ban is that it will improve uh, people's mental health because uh, people will know the purpose of their lives. They can, uh, they can work, they can communicate, they can be, feel part of a community. So I'm going to the next thing why we, we, we need to leave the ban. It's important for integration per process, because when we are saying that we are uh, that refugees are welcome in this country, it's really important that we provide them the, uh, the circumstances and the conditions so they can be easily integrated. Because you come in the new country with no language, new culture, new people, new tradition. And if you if you have no right to work, this is extremely difficult to integrate and feel a part of uh, that society. Another thing that uh, why is it important is that people will not, if we leave the ban, people will not waste their skills because um, people come with lots of different skills and talents. People, we have people, I work with, directly with people who are doctors, musicians, engineers, um, and they are um, graphic designers, lots of different, like the same uh, profession that we have in the UK, but they are not allowed to work. And those skills are wasted because um, I had law background. I have law background, but I could not practice it for six plus years. So that, that damaged my uh, knowledge, my skills and my confidence. Um, another thing that I want to mention from people's perspective is that um, it means that if people have access to employment in the asylum process, there won't be a gap between transition process of being asylum seeker and refugee, because that is the, the problem that people are experiencing. In, uh, and uh, I was one of them because it was extremely difficult for me being uh, um, unable to work for six plus years and then building confidence to go into employment again, it is very, very difficult. And most importantly, why we should lift the ban is that people were, want simply to contribute. People don't want to uh, have this, uh, like sit on their hands and just uh, wait for the uh, government allowance. They can contribute themselves and the country. Um, now we are logically going to the second part, uh, how is it um, country can benefit from it. So um, calculations that we made from Leave the Ban Coalition uh, reveal that uh, around uh, the, the UK taxpayer, the UK government can uh, save £184 million if we allow people to work. And that money is 
uh, from increased tax and national um, insurance contributions, as well as the money saved from asylum support payments. And that is interesting that the calculation is based on 50% of people only that are working and earning average wage in the, uh, in the UK. At the moment in the UK, there is a um, record job vacancies and there is a gap. Employers, uh, recruiters, businesses, they want people to be employed, but there is a gap and uh, there is vacancies, but there are no people because we have people in the, in the system who can work, but we not, don't allow them to work. And for example, I'll give you NHS example. NHS, NHS is crying out for help. And uh, one of seven people uh, in the asylum system, they are health workers, but they can't work and they can't uh, support NHS because they are not allowed to work. So this is why is it important from the country perspective. And another thing that I want to mention is very important. Let's repeat it. Lifta Ban polling uh, also showed that uh, more than seven people in 10 across the UK support giving people right to work. And we did polling in constituencies of Pretty Patel and Boris Johnson. And more than seven people are in 10 in 10 voters. Uh, they were they were supporting uh, people uh, uh, as a right to work. So what picture we have that is also reflected in Parliament. So we have cabinet ministers such as Dominic Raab and uh, Tory MPs such as Steve Baker, two MPs of Labour parties, they are all supporting the, the changes, not to mention uh, businesses and uh, recruiters. We have recruitment on the Leave the Bank Coalition. Uh, we have a recruitment and employers confederation and the CBI and these organizations back, the, back this change. We, we have the support, we have the need but people still can't work, which is just allowing people to work is such a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely made the, the case very clearly there. And in terms of the impact that your campaign is having in that coalition working together, does it feel like there is kind of headway being made? So th th that's the case that we, we need to continue to work on that because there's lots of support and this is uh, on everyday basis, this is getting clearer and clearer and this is uh, this is just common sense. It does not make sense not to allow people to work. And that is why we are currently, as I mentioned before, supporting an amendment to the Nationality and Borders Bill, So, which, I'm, as I said, is in the House of Lords right now. So what we are doing now, that we are supporting this amendment. So if it's going in the law, that is a less chance then that it can't be so easily repealed. So and hopefully that will work and people will be allowed to work and there will be lots of evidence in future of uh, the benefits of this uh, step. You talked a little bit about how you have a lived experience and how you work with people who have this lived experience of being refugees or asylum seekers. Does, does that help you in your role, having that experience? Do you find that that is a positive thing within the role that you have? Yes, I think that it is a positive thing that helps me to understand people. I uh, sometimes it's sometimes yes I'm a human being and it's very challenging because all the time I'm going through the conversation I uh, have a, having a conversation with people uh, who are going through very difficult time it it triggers my feelings and my experiences from the past. 
but it it really depends uh, how you how to how you use that experience. I wanted to use and convert this experience in something positive that, that I can uh, support someone, I can encourage someone, I can be uh, inspiration uh, for someone. So, uh, but I, I also can't blame other people who can't choose this as a career path in their future because it's really, really difficult and it's just, um, it just depends on people and their personality. So for me, it helps. It's not easy. It is really challenging, but it is rewarding. And I guess it's more rewarding and it's it making me happier than, than it triggers my experiences. I was thinking when you were talking earlier about the kind of campaign and this transitional process that currently exists after however many years, one year, five years, 10 years, suddenly people might get their decision and then they have to transition into work and you've kind of laid out really clearly these challenges that exist for individuals what are the next steps for people when they are given that permission or given that decision yes this is a really good question there are lots of organizations in the sector in the refugee sector that they are we are all together trying to fill the gap and support people in through different ways through uh, groups, for example, I'm working with a group called RAS Voice, Refugee and Asylum Seeker Voice, which is a campaign group. And we have lots of people in different stages of asylum system. And we are trying our best and other organizations are trying their best to fill the gap through different programs and opportunities for people. But unfortunately, there are some gaps that which we can't fill because they are simply out of our control. So this gap that I mentioned particularly about employment, it's really difficult to be filled. What we can do that we, we give opportunities for, uh, for volunteering, we give opportunities for different programs, we give opportunities for being members of the EB, so Expert by Experience Network that we have, but people will still have these difficult experiences until the law changes because I was... I will bring my experience again. I was involved in all activities uh, during my time in the asylum system. I was doing uh, volunteering uh, with different organizations, trying to fill that gap. But when the time came and, well, I had the status and then I saw the impact. Then I saw the impact of this those years uh, where even though that I was trying my best during this time, to do different activities and I was so much focused on this work I did not think on the consequences of this all these years but when I faced that reality uh, I had my confidence below zero I just could not function properly in terms of uh, starting my life I remember my first year being so emotional that I even could not share this with others because I was ashamed and that everybody saw me so much active person, but when the time came, I was not. And I see that this now reflections kind of of this kind of experience in different people. It's very difficult to tell someone that well, you will be all right because everybody's experience is really individual. So we are doing our best. Our networks, our organizations, and different organizations are doing our best. But it's really important that. Uh, the home as a government and authorities are collaborating on that, that it's not our responsibility only to make uh, uh, people live in dignity, 
and rebuild their lives. That when the country signs refugee convention, they take responsibility and they need to be accountable for what they are doing with people. I think that word dignity is something I noticed on your website. When you break down that amount of money and you break down all those things that you're saying, it's just hard to imagine how people can have that dignity when they're pressured by all these different challenges. And I think the other thing, of course, we're sort of coming out now of a pandemic. Has that had an increased impact on these communities? When you talk about some of these same things about isolation and the challenges, has the last two years made things worse from that perspective as well? 2020 was a very challenging year. People were still living on that income with very slight um, increase of amount, which was more insult rather than increase. That, that people seeking asylum were kind of separate category, separate group of people. Uh, like we, are, we were often saying that, you know, you remember that we are all in this together. But refugees and uh, I would say people, mostly people seeking asylum, they were not included in those um, big slogans and phrases. So it was very difficult. And uh, it was the organizations and charities, right, right, like Refugee Action and our allies, who made things work, who we started to, for example, our group, people seeking asylum and refugees, we had meetings face to face before. But then pandemic came, everything was cancelled. People were stuck in their homes. And then, you know, the accommodation conditions, the home office uh, provided by the home office. Uh, recently, there was a couple of articles about that, what people have to face when they live in those accommodation. So they were in those accommodation pandemic, uh, isolated. That was a very difficult time. And we, well, how we started, we, we were supporting them to go online our group went online. We were individually teaching people how to log on Zoom, how to come to the room, how to raise a virtual hand and have have meetings. And that is when we became national group uh, instead of big local Manchester group. And now we are covering the whole UK and we are working with people. But this is still difficult. And that will be always difficult just pandemic made it worse and but it will be always difficult until those issues are addressed all these issues are connected and related but work permission giving people work permission will address so many issues on the list including poverty including mental health including just fear and integration so if people are listening to this podcast and they are they are interested in this cause, interested in this work. What is it that people can do? What can they get involved with? How can they contribute? Yeah, so uh, we have, uh, for example, because I, I talked more about Lift the Ban campaign and that is that is the priority for now to make this amendment. So on our website, there are a number of ways people can support us. Uh, uh, I would say that when there are big events, when there are uh, rallies, uh, they can come and support and show their uh, show their support to uh, to people seeking asylum. But at the same time, in terms of some practical help, uh, we have on our refugee action website uh, in uh, campaign section, we have lift the ban campaign as one of our campaigns, and we have information pack. 
So everybody has access to that. They can be downloaded for that. For then there will be some actions that people can do. For example, they can write to their MPs, engage their local MPs, and also they can engage with their decision makers and engage with local media through their platforms because all of us are doing different things. So not everybody is involved in refugee sector, as you mentioned. So then we can support other people. Uh, we raise awareness with other people. Just simply, I always say that this raising awareness and campaigning starts from own families, own children, like at schools, universities, um, religious organizations, so everywhere. Uh, but in terms of practical steps, the template, for example, how to write your MPs, how to engage with your local uh, leaders. So the, the information pack on our website in Lift the in campaign section and in particular Lift the Ban, it will give all of us more practical steps and suggestions how we can support this campaign, which is really important. And this is right time, time now to do so. What do you feel like the impact is of these campaigns? Obviously, you've got campaigns going now, but other campaigns as well. I know sometimes there is a feeling like there's too much to do, that campaigning doesn't doesn't have that impact from within your organisation, from your, your work. What do you feel like the, the purpose, the outcome is of these campaigns? Is it kind of a, have you had dramatic things that have changed? Is it that sense of chipping away? Is it that sense of, as you said, amplifying voices? What is it that you see as the, the primary function and, and desired outcome, I guess? So ideally, obviously, the purpose uh, is that to, to get uh, right to work for people, but um, this is not easy process. This is not, and that it takes years. So, so just to give you an example of Lift the Band, that was uh, the coalition started in 2018 and with the organization more and more and more joining. And at the moment we have 250 plus organization and coalitions, including uh, trade unions and businesses. So recruiters. So there are lots of people uh, and different in different areas, not only refugee sector uh, in this uh, uh, their their coalition. And it starts, it tackles like different areas, raising awareness, demonstrating the pro the problem, then uh, we were doing polling and so we were providing evidences uh, of uh, why this campaign was important. So it takes time, but the main thing is now, it, it is challenging, yes, because people sometimes, especially who are in the asylum system and who are facing this problem, they want the solution very soon. But this is a long run program and it takes time. It's a journey and you need to help as more people as possible. Because for now, before, as, as, as someone with lived experience, a couple of years ago, people, just public, people in the UK, they did not know what was lived ban or what, what, they even didn't know that people had no access to employment, they could not work. Now, the majority of people know. So that is also achievement of the campaign. So then the, when the, we are coming together uh, and when we are talking about these things, we see schools and children are supporting these campaigns, which did not happen before. And we come together and there is better chance that we make that impact. And right now, as I mentioned, and I will re repeat again, is that um, we are uh, we are trying to make this amendment in the Borders and Immigration Bill. And hopefully that will work 
because this is a, on the picture that we have about anti-refugee bill, that has always been common sense to give people right to work, but this will, that makes more sense right now to make this change amendment and give people opportunity to work. And I want to mention one more thing that you might hear that people have access to work right now. After 12 months, if you don't have a, your asylum decision, you can apply to work uh, permission. But there is very important thing to mention that if you get that work permission, that is from shortage occupation list. This is not just kind of a normal work permission that you and I have. No, it's different. And what I want to say, uh, explain it in simple words, that is work permission uh, which means that you can apply for a job of a classical ballet dancer or nuclear scientist, but you can't be a cleaner. So that is what we have right now. And in the Lift Up Ban campaign, what we want is the campaign where people can work after six months of waiting their decision and that there will be no shortage occupation list. People can use all their skills they want and they don't have to be, have like higher expectation in order to get the job. You've alluded to how there is this, let's call it a myth within the media, within kind of society, within certain sections, this idea of like almost the deserving refugee versus the undeserving refugee and that that somehow is linked to this idea of how people got here, that there is this hostility and maybe it feels a little bit like people are divided into, yeah, they're on board with your campaigns. They're on board because they agree that it's an anti-refugee bill. They completely buy into what you're campaigning for versus this hostility, whether that's actually what people think or whether that's drummed up in certain parts of, of our society. But how, how do you speak into that hostility? What is it? for you either individually or, or as an organization so how we work is that um, whatever we do in our organization that would be my simple answer whatever we do whatever action whatever campaign whatever whatever we do in general the center of that are people with lived experience we listen to them we we talk to them so we don't come to our conclusions that this is right this is wrong uh, we might support, we might do some more work, obviously, around the issue. We might have better context sometimes, uh, but the center of our work are people with lived experience. So we are, as we say, shifting the power to people with lived experience uh, and doing this work not for them. We are doing this work with them. So that is generally the situation in the picture in the in the in the UK asylum system is very difficult, but I think what I am um, I I see that is the biggest achievement of the refugee sector in general that we don't give up, and uh, and another thing that uh, I personally as Anna as refugee like is that we we have increased our engagement with people with lived experience. We work uh, with them. And uh, we are listening to their needs and we come out of when we make decisions about campaigning or whatever is important. We come from out from their needs. So that is the biggest achievement. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can make uh, an impact with that in future. I am uh, 
I'm really passionate about the this campaign, and uh, I mean, leave the ban. And I am, I'm more passionate about that because I've been through that myself. And um, you can never feel someone's pain that if you have not uh, the same way if you uh, if you have not felt that yourself. And um, I want us to. My wish is to, for everybody to understand uh, our uh, needs and our skills, our, that we are not here to claim benefits because there is not evidence of that, that it will like access to employment will attract people to come to the UK, That's, that we have no evidence of that. So I really want to have and wish to have uh, this um, one similar approach across the UK. Uh, not in under the refugee sector only, but in public, as I said, in schools, universities. So people understand that we are part of them. We are part of this community. We love the UK the way they lo love. And uh, this is, for me, the UK is my home. I This is my home now. I love people when I go outside. And I, I, I'm honest about that. So the, what, the message I want to spread is that I want just to ask everybody uh, who is interested in these issues of refugees and people seeking asylum to raise awareness in their own capacity, in their own platforms, and let's fight together for a fair asylum system and for a compassionate system where people live in dignity and they can rebuild their lives. That's a really good rallying cry to come towards the end on. I think my last question is, you've articulated that this is a, a long journey, but let's say in five years time or 10 years time, what do you hope the landscape will look like for refugees and asylum seekers? What do you hope will have been achieved? I think that um, my dream will come true, what I said. And what I mean by that is that we will have more understanding uh, of this need and that the, and the more awareness and the understanding will put more pressure on authorities, decision makers who can make this happen. So the more we are, the more power we have. So that's how I see. And because this process is ongoing for years and, and there are more and more support around. So this is this will happen and that then we will have positive outcome. So I, I would guess that that will be uh, hopefully less than five years. But in five years, um, I just, um, I just wish and I hope that we, we will create the asylum system in the UK like it should be, like it should be, because this is not something extra thing. This is just to give someone right to live like others and just give equality. This is not something extra resources for them because those people, if you give them resources, if you give them conditions that they deserve as, as human beings, they will, they will contribute, they will, they will pay it back. So that is how it works. Just uh, I, I hope that in five years we will accept refugees and people seeking asylum as just one of us. 
Thank you. Well, that's a nice way to end it. And I, I hope uh, I hope that will be the case in five years time as well. So thank you very much, um, Anna, for your time and for speaking um, so eloquently and so passionately. Um, it's been really interesting to hear and hopefully our listeners will be um, be excited to go out and uh, take action and raise awareness in their spheres as well. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me and um, thank you for everyone. Thank you to everyone who is uh, listening to this. This podcast was produced and presented by me, Emily McGrath, with thanks to Anna Satiani and Refugee Action. It was brought to you by the Resonate Bristol team in association with St Stephen's and Holy Trinity Hotwells Churches. The music was created by Scott Holmes, accessed through the free music archive. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Resonate Bristol. Join us again next time.